Hello, my name is Jim Martin. I live in Lake Jackson, Texas, in the southern part of the United States of America. This is my very first podcast. I've been teaching the Bible for decades. I've been a pastor and a missionary and a Bible teacher for many, many years. Now, during this pandemic period of 2020 and now in the first half of 2021, we've been restricted from meeting together. But now I have found a new outlet for my teaching, and that is here on the internet. As I said, this is my very first attempt at a podcast. My lesson is from the book of the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, which is now in modern-day Turkey. But at that time, which this happens to be one of the earliest letters written for the New Testament, perhaps around 49 A.D., as we count time, it was written to these churches, which were populated by a mixture of both Jews and Gentiles, which really became a problem for this early church because the first Christians came out of the Jewish traditions. And as you may know, the Jews considered the law of Moses and being obedient to it and the way one lived and the way one obeyed those laws and those festivals and those feasts and those commandments to be the way to enter into God's favor. But Jesus came and changed all that. Uh, Paradoxically, I guess, he came to fulfill all the promises that had given to been given to the nation of Israel in what we know as the Old Testament or the Old Testimony, the Old Covenant. He came as the fulfillment of all those prophecies and promises. He came as the fulfillment and the embodiment of the Jewish Messiah. Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And he changed everything. He turned their world upside down. We even marked our calendars by the year of his supposed birth. Although we now know that he was probably born uh, four to six years prior to zero A.D. or zero Uh, But now, Jesus has come into this tradition, this millennia-old tradition. And Jesus has reiterated what God intended for the Jewish people from the beginning, that they should reflect and, and actually illustrate and make Jehovah God the one and only true God, make him known to the people of the world and to illustrate his 
manner of living, the way in which people that adhered to him and embraced him and loved him and surrendered to him, the way they lived and loved and related to others, and the way they handled problems. But the Gentile population, those that had not grown up with the Jewish tradition, had not been steeped in the laws and the prophets and the festivals of the Jewish tradition. They had grown up and uh, been indoctrinated, if you will, in a polytheistic, not a monotheistic. For the most part, they were polytheistic. They were pagan. They did not know about the one true God, the supreme ruler of the universe who created it and sustains it. So it was up to the early church. The early church, uh, the word church comes from ekklesia, the Greek word ekklesia. It means a gathering, an assembly, uh, a gathering together of those who embraced and followed Jesus. The church was to make him known, to make Jesus known, to make Father God known, to be empowered and motivated by the Holy Spirit. C.I. Schofield of the 19th century wrote this, The problem of the Christian life is based on the fact that as long as the Christian lives in this world, he is, so to speak, two trees. The old tree of the flesh and the new tree of the divine nature or the spirit implanted in by the new birth. And the problem itself is this, how to keep the old tree barren, how to keep it from bearing fruit, and how to make the new tree supremely fruitful. Well, that problem is not solved by efforts of the flesh. That problem is solved by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to take a look at what is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, last week uh, on my Facebook Live page, and you can look at that, look at Facebook, and uh, go over and find James Robert Martin. And go to my Facebook page, and you can find last week's uh, Facebook Live presentation. And that gives, gives us an overview of this portion of chapter 5 of the, the letter to the churches in Galatia. And it begins in verse 16 of that chapter by saying, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, uh, he's not talking about bipedal ambulation, walking on your feet. He's talking about live by the power of the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And this section of Galatians chapter 5 goes on, and then it ends with the same commands. We call this a chiasm. And in verse 25, He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So 
Paul has encapsulated, if you will, this fantastic section of instruction. We call that doctrine, teaching to righteousness. Within these two bookends, if you'll care to. And in this, he talks about the evidence of the control of the flesh. And by flesh, I don't just mean the physical body. I mean the secular uh, human body. That is controlled by the the body, the physical desires, uh, controlled by the soul, the mind, will, and and, uh, emotions of the human person. Uh, And that extends to it. Uh, That that, uh, we've studied in other lessons, that uh, the flesh wars against the spirit. Indeed, uh, Paul's letter to the church church in Rome uh, talked about that. That, that the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. He, he talked about that in Romans chapter 8. And here in Galatians chapter 5, which predates the letter to the Romans, he gives us several examples of uh, things that are evident in the life of a person. These things characterize the life of a person who is... Uh, living according to his fleshly impulses. And these uh, are in verses 19 through 21 uh, of Rome, of Galatians chapter 5. So you see these are, they can be categorized by sexual sins, by desire to have what another has, Uh, envy and jealousy uh, by excesses such as drunkenness and uh, partying. Uh, We could add drug use in that and being out of control. So these things, he says, are, are evident of the person being really out of control. You're not living according to how God designed you and intends you to live. But then he gives us some really good news. He says, he says, no, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then there are evidences of the Holy Spirit. This is a person of the Godhead that comes to live in you. When you confess your sins and, and embrace Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation. And we'll go into that in another lesson. But he says this, he says, the evidence of the Holy Spirit are these nine things. And this is not an exhaustive list, okay? This is not an exclusive and exhaustive list. This is just representative of how the Holy Spirit behaves when he gets more and more control over a human person, okay? And that begins in verse 22, He says, but the fruit, he says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what Paul calls this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now the reason he put that last phrase in there, against such things there is no law, Jewish believers, those that are striving to obey the law of Moses, those people said the law requires you to behave this way and that way and not to do these things and that thing. You can look at the Ten Commandments back in Exodus 20 and get a, a summary of those ten uh, general things. articulates the relationship, the quality, and the characteristics of the relationship between uh, God and man, and between man and his brother and sister. Articulated, not categorized, not legalized in the Ten Commandments, in the Decalogue. But here, in these nine things, these nine characteristics of the person who is controlled and, and empowered, Maybe that's a better word. We don't like the, the word or the concept of being controlled by anyone, do we? But actually, without Christ, we're not the ones controlling our activities. We can see that in verses 19 through 21 of this chapter. But let's just look at the first three here that Paul articulates in the fruit of the Spirit. And again, these are not the same as spiritual gifts the gifts of the Spirit. This is not the same thing. This is evidence of the Holy Spirit having control over your life. That's what this list, if you will, these examples is probably a better term. This is what these examples represent as the, the Lord Holy Spirit obtains more and more control over me then I will demonstrate uh, more clearly these evidences of his control. And as I discovered years ago, uh, and, and I know people argue with me about this, they, they will have a different opinion of this, but I think these are in, in priority order. And I, and I can see some evidence of that. So let's take the, the first three evidences, and we're going to do this week by week. We're going to take these in... in three characteristic segments. Uh, and then, so that means, what does that mean? That means that this podcast is going to last three weeks. And I pray that you stay with me through that. Okay? So let's look at this. He says in verse 22 of, of Galatians chapter 5, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I'm reading this out of the New American Standard translation of the Bible, and we're going to look at uh, alternative translations of these words as we go through. But let's take the first three. Love, joy, and peace. Okay? Let's take those first three. The Greek word translated love here into the English language is the word agape. Uh, and it, it, it means to seek the highest good for the recipient or the object of your love. 
to seek the highest good, the purest good. Now, uh, in Koine Greek culture, uh, they didn't use this very much. They used phileo. They lose, used uh, phileo storge. When you're talking about sexual love, they took uh, used the word eros. But here, uh, the Lord gave Paul the word agape. Uh, the, the Greek secular culture viewed this as a technical term, kind of cold. Uh, not the warm, fuzzy kind as phileo, which means beloved, um, brotherly loved, or storge, which is a, a kind of a communal love. This is, um, this is love. Agape means that you're seeking the highest good of, of the object of this love without having your motivation being, being repaid for that or rewarded for that in any sense. This is the way God loves us. When he wrote in John's gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life, he used the word agape, of course. That is God's quality and kind of love. And so when he says that the first evidence of the Holy Spirit is agape, that means when we begin to love one another the way God loves us, unconditional, without expectation of reward, then people begin to notice that something is different. Jesus told his disciples, he says, that this is the way that people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. In the early church, we're told that that's one of the, the first things that the pagan and the secular populations noticed about the Christians is that they had genuine love for one another. So can we say that I love you no matter what? Or when we say, I love you, are we kind of implying, I love you if, like, I love you if you'll do this for me, or if you'll uh, treat me right, then I'll love you? Well, certainly that's not the way that God loves us, is it? No, it is not. And then a second characteristic is joy. Joy, is, uh, some people say, well, that's the same as happiness. Well, it, it is not the same as happiness. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is an evidence of the Holy Spirit. It is a contentedness and a, um, a positive attitude and outlook regardless of the circumstances in which one is living. That's what joy is. It is not respective of the circumstances, not depending on your economic status or which political party is in uh, in power at the moment. Or even if there's war or persecution, people that are in parts of the world where Christians are persecuted. And yes, there are people living in those circumstances today. They are said to have more joy, pure joy. And there's no explaining it by looking at their circumstances or by how other people in the, in the community even treat them. 
But it is just the, the sheer elation at knowing that I am accepted and loved and protected and eventually rescued, yes, saved by Almighty God. That this life and what people do to me in this life has no eternal meaning. That is joy. That I am full of expectation and I am full uh, of a contentedness that cannot be explained by external circumstances. Then the, the last one that we're going to cover on this podcast is peace. The Greek word is irene. Irene. And we all know the Hebrew word, which has so much more meaning. It's so much richer than the Greek word. It is the word shalom. And it it really is not completely expressed by the word peace. It means completeness. Wholeness is peace. God's peace, again, does not depend on your circumstances. It is the convinced awareness that God is in control and that I'm going to be okay. When God finishes my course, when I finish my course in Him, in this life, it's going to be okay. And I can be at peace. I can be complete. I don't have, any, I don't have to add anything to my life to be full. You know what that means? That means that God is enough. So my friends, we're going to stop right here with today's podcast. But I want to end with the admonition that the apostle starts this passage with and ends it with. And that is, if we live by the Spirit, if we, if we live by the Spirit, then let us conduct the affairs of our lives under the Holy Spirit's control and under His motivation and under His empowerment. That's our goal, my dear friends. Now, thank you for listening to this session. We will continue this study next week at the appointed time and I just pray that you will uh, prosper in his spirit this week. Again my name is Jim Martin and let me just uh, give a brief prayer if we may and then a blessing. Father I just pray that uh, you would use this facility of this podcast to bless the lives of the people that are taking advantage of it out there, that are listening in by whatever medium. And I pray that you would encourage them and that you would empower them to live in a way that will make you known throughout their circle of influence and contact. Lord, thank you for the joy and the, and the peace and yes and thank you for the love that you've extended to us may we lord by your holy spirit and by your grace love one another as you command us to do 
Lord, we ask all this with great thanksgiving, praise, and adoration, and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you again next week.